welcome you to another Disney News on Parade here at Disney at Play.com. We have lots of news to cover, and it all seems to be that the news parade is coming from Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. We're going to talk about the attendance at the parks last year as it relates to the opening of these lands at both Disneyland and Disney's Hollywood Studios. We're going to talk about boarding pass changes that have been happening at the studios. And then we're also going to start off this evening by talking about a possible new cantina that might just show up in Batu. Let's start there this evening. What is the possibility that there might just be a competitor coming to Ogus? Well, StarWars.com, uh, the formal website, showcased a new possible attraction that theoretically could be coming to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. By the way, I have to mention, make sure you are uh, checking out our notes page on this because we have lots of links and photos and videos showcasing all this. Let's start with the announcement from StarWars.com. Quote, new Star Wars, Tales from the Galaxy's Edge story and cast details revealed. ILM XLab pulls back the curtain on the VR experience. So what is happening is that there's this new VR activity experience coming out from ILMX Lab, and it's focused on Star Wars Galaxy's End, on Black Spire Outpost. And in it, it reveals some interesting new things that we have not seen before in this land. Quote, when you start your adventure on Batu in Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, you'll meet some interesting, deadly, and adorable beings. ILMX Lab, Lucasfilm's award-winning immersive entertainment studio, released an exciting new behind-the-scenes video today on the upcoming virtual reality experience, revealing story details and introducing some major new characters. As announced in the featurette, acclaimed actor and comedian Bobby Moynihan, Saturday Night Live and Star Wars Resistance, will star as Cecil Sack, a Cecil uh, Slack, a bartender with a penchant for storytelling who is central to the story. Quote, he's a little kooky, says Moynihan. Maybe being alone and not having a lot of customers has affected him. According to senior producer Alyssa Finley, Cecil Slack will tell stories and, quote, give you a gateway into the world of Galaxy's Edge. Indeed, as Esmail likes to tell his tales, the player will get to live out those stories in VR. But not everyone on Batu will be as jovial. It then goes on to talk about another host of characters in this virtual world. But staying on this subject of this bartender, Cecil Slack, let's go back and, and continue on in this article. Quote, in Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, you play a droid repair technician who crash lands on Batuu after a pirate attack. In typical Star Wars fashion, you quickly get swept up into the grand adventure on the outskirts of Black Spire Outpost. Quote, matching the look and feel of Galaxy's Edge is our main goal, says Steve Henricks, visual director, noting that the creative team has worked with artists and assets 
from the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run attraction to ensure authenticity. In addition, the experience promises true Star Wars immersion. You'll listen to a jukebox, play space darts, go into the wilds of Batu and explore, and, and maybe best of all, hang out with the Porgs. They've even overviewed their work in a video. And it, again, this video we have on our show notes page. You'll want to take a look at it. In the video, we learn of Cecil Slack, who is a bartender. He's of similar species to a character that was playing uh, Sabak at the same table with um, um, with Han Solo in the Han Solo movie. Um, we see several images of this cantina uh, from the website that they show, and I post um, still images of this. But perhaps the most interesting concept art piece shows this Cecil Slot character at the bar with familiar icons outside the window of the cantina. And by the way, before I get to the window, it also um, shows Doc Gondar. And you know that um, just last week we got into a conversation about the comic book for Galaxy's Edge and the role, pivotal role, that Doc Gondar pay, uh, plays in one of those and, and some of the, some of the uh, artifacts that can be found in his store. Anyway, looking outside this window at this cantina, across the way is, this, is the ship from Docking Bay 7. Uh, Brady McDonald um, conjectured in the Orange County Register that the view outside of the window of the tavern suggests that perhaps this cantina sits next to Oga's. The peculiar thing about that image is that the tower, when you look at this image, the tower sits to the left of Docking Bay's seven, uh, Docking Bay 7's plane, not to the right, which makes you kind of think, is this picture in reverse, although the artist's signature is correct, but it, it's a little confusing as to why the, um, uh, the tower, um, for Galaxy's Edge is located on the left instead of the right. The, these are little details, but um, that's not to say that it isn't being proposed to have this bar next to Oga's. In truth, next to Oga's Cantina, there is real estate. It stretches the space between the Cantina and First Order Cargo, that little uh, that little shop. The difference is, is that the space was originally intended uh, to be more of a dinner theater show. In terms of cultural diversity, the dinner theater would be a better offering. In terms of profitability, well, in truth, another lounge would probably make more money for them because the lounge could stay open much longer. Now, if you go back to the thinking, here you have a kiosk with the blue milk stand. And then you have a cantina with Ogas. And then you have um, two counter service experiences. One uh, smaller with, um, uh, well, one the larger with Docking Bay 7. And then next door, um, Ronto Roasters is, is, a, is a little smaller um, facility. So you see all these uh, food and beverage offerings, the one thing they don't have is a table service offering, which honestly would be a nice thing to have 
inside um, Galaxy's Edge. It would create a more diverse offering. And when you look at the photos I've, I've posted here and in my Star Wars uh, Complete Guide, uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Complete Guide, you'll see that the Imagineers have been playing with the concept of um, doing a dinner theater. Now, um, recently, I mean, like within the last 24 hours, um, and if I get a chance, I'll post this as well. Um, Coaster, is it Coaster 101? Um, has um, conjectured that the food and beverage experience on the Star Wars Galactic uh, Star Cruiser uh, may become that dinner show theater, which would make sense because in truth, if you're holding everybody kind of hostage on this Star Wars cruiser, you're going to have to have some entertainment aspect to it. Uh, meanwhile, if you do a, if you do a dinner show at in the parks, you're not going to be able to have the rotation and you're not going to be able to do anything earlier than probably four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, maybe a lunchtime, but you know, Oga's Cantina runs all day long. And the truth is, Oga's Cantina has been so popular that lines have been outside the door. People have been waiting. And anybody in the food and beverage industry knows that you make your best profit margin on alcohol. So it does kind of make sense to perhaps create a second cantina from the bottom line viewpoint. And frankly, Disney needs to pay attention to the bottom line, although they've already committed to so many attractions and other facilities um, that you want to. Now, actually, I say committing because um, only weeks, maybe even days after Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opened at Disneyland, I remember Bob Chapek um, mentioning or or it being discussed that he apparently had approved moving forward on building out that food and beverage space. But nothing really has been said of that space since then. And frankly, with attendance being kind of flat at Disneyland and then the pandemic that followed, it's hard to imagine anything that went very far. Um, two other insights that I want to offer with all this. First, why is this being played out so much by the official Star Wars site? The experience plays out um, this virtual reality thing. It plays out on, an, on Oculus, a virtual reality headset that Facebook uh, purchased a few years ago. And frankly, it doesn't have a lot of games. Why this experience on this device now? I think it's very cool, but, but what's, the, what's the end point of this? Second... If you're going to focus on interesting characters and stories and so forth, why aren't you focusing on the ever mysterious Oga? Oga is a similar peculiar alien-like persona, similar to this um, um, to this uh, character of Cecil Slack, a different kind of alien creature. In fact, a lot of people actually don't even know who Oga looks like. They have seen and I'll show you the image again on the website. A lot of people have seen the image um, that was originally played out for Olga's Cantina, and they saw this kind of older German Scandinavian type woman woman behind the counter, and they supposed that this was Olga. 
Um, but in truth, Olga is a female, what's referred to as a Blutopian. Thanks to Wikipedia, we know that she looks, and I've got a picture of what Olga looks like. She kind of looks like a combination of a walrus with a squid face. It's, in fact, um, but she is apparently a fairly interesting character. Uh, there's, um, uh, there's uh, a couple of things. Uh, it was um, Hondo Onaka who said, quote, I have a wonderful relationship with the owner, Ogagara. She puts all of my drinks on my tab, and then I tear up my tab. It's such a good arrangement, at least for me. I'm not sure how she feels about it, end of quote. Well, again, I think Olga would be a very interesting character to explore on this virtual reality site, but there's no discussion of that. Instead, they've gone to this other cantina, and and I have to, I just have to note, first of all, nothing is confirmed about this space being built. But what makes this story interesting is that most times when Disney's building attraction, it's based on some former IP, i.e. a Disney or Pixar film that has come out which inspires everybody to want to have an attraction built based on it. Here, we have a very different scenario playing out. Here we've got a virtual gaming experience that allows people to kind of go in and explore. It isn't the most popular gaming experience out there, but still, it's, an, it's a very curious, very interesting way to, and I would imagine that these gaming folks are going to be able to say, hey, how much time are people hanging out in this cantina? And how interesting is this to people who visit this virtual world? Would there be demand that people are now in, in the months to come going on the blogosphere or going up to guest relations and saying, hey, I came to Batu, I came to Black Spire Outpost, but there was no, there was, you know, I didn't see any Cecil Slack. You know, how come that his bar wasn't there, you know, and so forth. And so it's just an interesting way to play out an idea in front of guests, get some kind of assessment what whether they like it or not, and um, and then if there's a demand for it, build it. I don't think it's coming anytime soon, by the way, if it does get built, but I think it's a very interesting notion. So again, check out all the images and uh, check out the video that we have posted. It's it's All of it together provides some interesting insight What with what could really happen. There are some pieces of, of real estate at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge that still need to be developed, and I think that's one of them. That said, by the way, if I were to suggest one thing, if you're going to do something based on a successful IP, why isn't there any push toward putting some aspect of Mandalorian or the child into this story? I, I kind of get it that the, maybe the Mandalorian story runs a little earlier, but this child takes forever to grow up anyway, so you can fast forward a few years. Mandalorian's under our helmet anyway. People love this series. I think I could see him showing up in Black Spire Outpost, why isn't there some meet and greet, some kind of experience, something that builds off of Mandalorian and the park? So, at any rate, 
that's the first thing potential um a potential cantina being played out for your interest and review let's go to the second thing that we want to talk about this evening rise of the resistance uh, boarding pass changes for guests with a disney pa park pass reservation to disney's hollywood studios the attraction is going to continue having a limited availability um, boarding pass through the My Disney Experience app uh, virtual queue. Starting Friday, July 24th, guests will have an opportunity at either 10 a.m. or 2 p.m. to join the virtual queue. Before this was um, 10 a.m., 1 p.m., and 4 p.m. And I have to say 4 p.m. kind of, especially if the rains was coming in, it just seemed like it was kind of getting in was a day late and a dollar short especially if the attraction had downtime so i kind of see what's going on here these two opportunities are intended to give guests more flexibility in their planning and also a way to further support physical distancing here's some more details you need to be aware of before you arrive first make sure of course you have the my disney experience app online and once you enter into the park log into your account at one of the distribution times 10 a.m or 2 p.m once you have logged in, select Star Wars Rise of the Resistance Virtual Queue on the home screen. You'll be able to view the current status and next steps for joining the virtual queue. Third, the app will indicate when there's no availability for a specific distribution time. Some guests may join backup groups. As long as your My Disney Experience account is linked to park tickets for you and others in your group, you can enroll everyone in the virtual queue at the same time. So in order to give as many guests as possible the opportunity to join the resistance, each guest can enter the virtual queue no more than once per day. Make sure push notifications are turned on for My Disney Experience so you will be alerted if your group is called to return. Uh, you'll have up to an hour from the time you're alerted to go to the entrance of Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Guests who are enrolled in the virtual queue will be able to see an estimated return time indicating when they may be called back to experience the attraction. This time may change throughout the day, so continue to check um, back and forth. Also, the tip boards around the park will display the boarding groups that have been called back. And then, of course, in the final disclaimer, they note, please note that joining the virtual queue does not guarantee the ability to experience Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Now, if you stayed with me on my Star Wars uh, or my studio's review, my first visit there, I noted that I was unsuccessful in the park on the first try and out of the park on the second try of getting uh, with a better, with better software or better um, um, internet um, access to get a boarding pass in either situation. On the third try, um, on the four o'clock hour, I actually went to the help of those blue-shirted guest experience folks. And they really helped me because I don't think I would have gotten it at four o'clock either. So that's the tip. That's why you wanna be listening to this podcast because that's the tip that's going to more fully guarantee you. Find a guest experience agent that doesn't have a long line and ask for help. By the way, I'm back at Disney's Hollywood Studios later this week, and we'll give you an update in our next uh, Disney News on Parade or shortly thereafter as to how uh, things are going over there at the park. So do uh, pay attention. And by the way, actually, this weekend I have plans to stay 
at Boulder Ridge uh, for a few nights. Um, you know, there's been this very low attendance going or very low pricing going on at the resort hotels. Not all the resort hotels are open. In fact, technically Wilderness Lodge is not open, uh, those rooms, but the Boulder Ridge uh, rooms are open and the Copper Creek rooms, many of those are open. So, um, so I'm going to, uh, this will be great because I've not really stayed in that resort before. You know, one of the challenges I have is um, we live here. <laughs> this is the resort I live in is my home. And so it doesn't really make a lot of sense to go and stay, but my wife and I are way overdue for having a couple of uh, days out. And so we're going to visit the Magic Kingdom, visit the studios, stay at Boulder Ridge, enjoy some time together. And we'll share those reports with you as to how uh, the resort experience especially is going as we, uh, uh, as we report next week. Let's go to our third Disney News on Parade item for the day. Tia and Acom provide an annual report on attendance at theme parks worldwide. And looking at this year's report gives us maybe some thoughts or ideas about the success of Galaxy's Edge. So let me share with you some larger highlights of the report and then I'll get specifically into, into Batu. First off, which, is, which park is the most successful theme park in the entire world? Well, there is one and only one dominant theme park that continues to take it year after year after year. That is the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. This year, or this year, I say 2019, they had a 5% growth resulting in an attendance of 20,663,000. So um, do your math of 20,663,000 20, divided by 365, and you're talking about an average attendance of over 56,000 people a day in that park. This park has always been or has been for so many years at the top and impressive that last year with no real uh, major add-ons other than the, um, the new fireworks show the year previous, um, it still had 5% major growth. Um, no wonder management has been concerned about the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World given that they're also adding the Tron attraction and all of that, it's, it's, but of course, then we had a pandemic. So who knows what's gonna happen for the 50th. Now, number two, Disneyland, the happiest place on earth out in California, it came in second worldwide at about 18,666,000. However, its growth is flat. And that's a flag because if you think about it, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opened the very first of June. So it had um, eight months, uh, seven months to 
to enjoy the blessing of having everything but Rise of the Resistance, which didn't open until 2020 at that park. Um, but still, that's a big investment. And in seven months, it did not see an increase in attendance. Now, part of that may have played out because of an increase passholder uh, prices, which is the dominant uh, contributor to attendance at that park. Also, they changed a lot in terms of when those pass holders could attend and so forth. So they may have actually drawn, given themselves um, their own uh, poison pill because of decisions and changes they had made to the annual pass program. But still, you would have thought with Galaxy's Edge, it would still have at least increased some. So that's number two. Number three, Disney's Animal Kingdom, ahead of Epcot, ahead of um, Disney's Hollywood Studios, it came in third and saw a 1% increase, coming in at 13,888,000. So you see there's a 5 million gap between uh, Animal Kingdom and Disneyland, and then another 2 million gap between Disneyland and Magic Kingdom. Um, Mind you, it hasn't had any major attraction, although Rivers of Light kind of came out with a revised version. Um, it's been two years since Pandora opened, and yet it still saw a 1% increase. That speaks very positively for Disney's Animal Kingdom. Epcot came in fourth with a flat attendance, like Disneyland, at 12,444,000. Um, like Disneyland, also flat, but it had no new attractions. So not anything too surprising there. It'll be interesting to see those numbers and, and their potential growth when so many other things get added, such as Guardians of the Galaxy and Ratatouille and the new fireworks in the evening. Mind you, uh, they did have a new fireworks show, but that uh, was as flat as their attendance. Um, now we come to Disney's Hollywood Studios. It came in fifth of all theme parks worldwide. Mind you, this is all above and beyond everybody else out there in that world, in the world of theme parks. It came in fifth with 11,483,000, you know, a million short of Epcot. And yet it had the blessing of four months of Galaxy's Edge. It did show 2% growth. That was positive. And by the way, it also had rise at the very end. I don't know that that could give it enough uptick, but still shorter than Epcot by a million. So that's kind of interesting. Then you go to number six. Universal Florida follows at six with 2% growth at 10,992,000. By the way, this is Universal's biggest and most successful theme park. Note the attendance. A little under 11,000, practically half of what Magic Kingdom is. That's the difference between Disney parks and Universal parks. So when you they all say, oh, Universal is really cutting in. Um, no, not, not quite so much. But it is interesting since they really didn't have any new attractions. They still had a 2% growth. Um, What's more interesting, Universal Islands of Adventure came in seventh with at 10,375,000 and it had a 6% growth. It had more growth than 
any other um, park um, that we have named, even more than the Magic Kingdom, and yet, um, uh, boy, it, um, it, and they did have a major attraction added with Hagrid's um, motorbike attraction, which didn't even work a lot of days, had a lot of maintenance issues. Um, I'm not even sure at this time whether people are sitting side saddle in the ride seats um, because what I've heard is that there are a lot of issues with that ride, and yet the attendance has been very strong. So here's what uh, the report did say about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. At Disney's domestic parks, the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge introduced a richly themed new land that takes participatory immersion to new levels and showcases what Disney does best, immersing guests in storied lands rides and attractions continuing on it says the land and its pioneering rides rise of the resistance and millennium falcon smugglers run have received accolades including tia thea awards disney's domestic park attendance numbers were flat overall for 2019 compared to the previous year which could be attributed to the operator emphasizing its yield strategy by prioritizing the quality of the guest experience and per caps. This operating model has emerged over the last decade and will likely serve operators well moving forward with respect to capacity limitations in parks and the continued need to stay competitive. What does that mean? It means that even though its attendance was fairly flat, it still enjoyed some really great per caps. And, um, um, and, and it provided a higher quality of guest experiences. So maybe those percentage increases aren't as important as the revenue stream coming in, the, the profit line and all of that. But that said, having spent the kind of money that has been spent on building Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland and Disney's Hollywood Studios, you kind of think that there really ought to be a marked difference in attendance. And here's the sad news. 2020 should have shown even more of that. And yet, we won't know. We won't know until this pandemic's over, really, if it makes a difference. We do know that as the studios has reopened, as all the Disney World parks have reopened, the studios is clearly a popular attraction of the reservations made by guests. It goes out first. But then again, it's also a smaller park compared to an Epcot or a Magic Kingdom or an Animal Kingdom and therefore they may be limited on how many people can attend that park. And so there's a lot of issues kind of all around this, spinning all around this. Um, but know that, um, that those are the numbers. And uh, 2020, that's just gonna be a write-off because who can tell what that means 
um, a, a small park in uh, Vietnam could do better attendance than Magic Kingdom if it managed to stay open 365 days, which is not what Disney's done. It's just it's just been a crazy crazy year. Well, anyway, that is our Disney news on parade for this week. We've had a big look at several things happening Star Wars Galaxy's Edge style. And I hope you've enjoyed it. Please know that when you subscribe to DisneyAtPlay.com or DisneyAtWork.com, you are automatically um, enrolled and given access to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the complete guide. There is no one place with more photos, more videos, more links, um, more interactive maps, more details about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And we're going to continue adding more and more as details like this occurs. We do need to update the plans for how to get in, how to maximize your stay at the park. That's why you got to stay close to the podcast because the, as you can see with the with the boarding pastimes, those just have changed in the first two weeks. So things continue to emerge, but once things settle, we'll get them into the um, into the uh, into the larger guide. Meanwhile, there's lots of stories, insights, details that you won't find anywhere else. Lots of new, uh, stuff about the new Star Wars hotel that uh, we need to talk about at some future point. At any rate, we thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being with us, and of course, as Sinbad says in his storybook voyage, always, always follow the compass of your heart. Until we talk again, have a great day. Check out our other podcasts and we'll see you real soon.